You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins. With me is Matt Adams. And it is a glorious Monday in Indianapolis, Indiana, because the Colts went into Kansas City, kicked down the door at Arrowhead Stadium, and really just controlled the Chiefs, beating them 19-13 to in what was a heavy underdog situation for the Colts. The Chiefs were 10.5-point favorites coming into the game. Matt, what was your initial reaction when the clocks hit zero and the Colts were celebrating. Well, I kept thinking about ways that they could lose this game. Um, The onside kick, especially. I'm like, you know, they've got this game. It's under control, but watch this happen. Watch this freakish thing happen, and it didn't happen. And I was just, I was a little bit in disbelief, to to be perfectly honest with you. I, I gotta say, I had the same feeling down the stretch, especially the Jordan Wilkins, you know, they try and go outside, loses Eight yards on second and two when you thought the Colts a touchdown would have put the game away. They have to settle for the field goal. And then the feeling was, oh boy, the Chiefs still have a chance. But as soon as I saw that ball head straight for Jack Doyle, I knew there was no way he was going to let that thing go past him. So that was an exciting game. Uh, Patrick Mahomes reigning MVP. Probably the favorite to win MVP again this year. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that guy... And even though the Chiefs lost in this game, there were a couple of plays that that just that guy is incredible. I know that they didn't score the points that they normally do, and the Colts defense did a nice job on them. But that guy just makes unbelievable plays. Yeah, the, all the time. His the Chiefs one touch passing touchdown of the game there to a some dude named Pringle. I know uh, Robinson and McCole Hardman fantasy owners are going nuts over. Pringle scoring uh, the touchdown, having over 100 yards. But Patrick Mahomes is a ridiculous talent, but the Colts' talent as a team was able to hold uh, him and the Chiefs back. Kansas City is not an easy place to play. It's not. It's not. The Colts made it look like home, and part of that might have been the homecoming for Justin Houston. He he talked about how much this game meant for him uh, after the win there, but... Let's get into it. The Colts really controlled this game. They made the Chiefs play the type of game that the Colts thought they could win. Time of possession, Colts 37 minutes and 15 seconds to the Chiefs 22 minutes and 45 seconds. That is ridiculous. I mean, you're not going to see much more lopsided time of possession lines than that. No, and I, I mean, they did They did all of the things that the Colts would have needed to do to, to pull off this upset. And one of them was they needed to run the ball effectively and they needed to keep the ball away from Mahomes and the Chiefs' offense. They were able to do that. They had a timely turnover. They probably should have had a couple other timely turnovers, but we'll get to that a little bit later. <laughs> um, they didn't make a lot of mistakes. They did make, uh, Brissett made one big mistake on an interception that cost him some points. That was his one. Um, but other than that, I mean, the Colts took care of the football. Um, I wish they had gotten into the end zone a couple of times because then at the end of the game, I don't think you would have had to sweat it so much yeah. if they would put touchdowns on the board a couple of times or at least one more time instead of field goals. But they got scores and scored when they got the opportunities to do so. They ran the ball so well, and Kansas City knew it was coming in that second half, and they still couldn't stop them. They couldn't stop them. Uh, all the points he made, the Colts beat the Chiefs in plays run. Colts had 74. Chiefs just had 57. Um, Colts didn't beat themselves. Won the penalty battle again. Seven penalties for the Colts. Uh, mounted to 50 yards. The Chiefs had 11 penalties for 125 yards. 
Um, we've seen that several times this year where the Colts opponents have really racked up the penalties and really across the league, there are yellow flag after yellow flag on the field and it's driving fans nuts a little bit. It got a little exhausting at times last night. It felt like for a span there late in the game that we were having a flag almost every play. It was just like, oh, hey, we got to stop here. Oh, no, you didn't. It's a defensive holding or uh, pass interference or just, I mean, and, and to the Colts' credit, they had a few of these really bad penalties. This week, they were able to recover from it because, like on on the run, they looked like Jordan Wilkins had a touchdown run, and they called T. Y. Hilton for a block in the back, which it was the right call in this particular and case. Didn't impact the play. Didn't impact but he the play, but he pushed the player the from behind. I'll, I'll compared to some of the other calls last night, I yeah. will concede that one. Um, you know. In, in that case, they didn't have to actually – they rebounded from that. I think they ended up scoring a touchdown on that drive, and that was the one touchdown that they needed. So um, big, big big props to them for, for being able to re- recover from stuff like that. Absolutely. And then on the ground, the Colts, 45 rush attempts for 180 yards. The Chiefs just 14 for 36. This game really felt like what teams used to do to the Peyton Manning-led Colts when they knew they weren't going to outscore them. So they had to run the ball, play good defense, and limit uh, the other side's possessions, hopefully to slow the game down, shrink it down, and win ugly. And that's what the Colts did. They won ugly with a shorthanded defense. The defense really stepped up big. And that pass rush that was lacking the last two games, it came back. And a lot of that had to do with their success on against the run. When that ground game is not established, it allowed the Colts to just tee off on Patrick Mahomes, and they got to him four times. Yeah, and this was a guy who had been sacked only three times the whole season, and they got to him four times. Um, they did have an injury. Uh, left tackle, I believe, their their starting left tackle was, was injured. Eric, and, uh, yeah, Eric Fisher, their starting left tackle, was out. He's a pretty out. good player. And then the um, second half, they lost their left guard. Right. And so that, you know, allowed the Colts to kind of pin their ears back a little bit in, in the pass rush. Um, you know, and, and I think... Last week I said that the impact of Jabal Sheard was negligible, and I, I mostly meant that in the fact that not that he was an ineffective player, it's just it didn't make a big difference for the defense. Mm-hmm. But this week with, with him in there, and they got some from Turay this week, unfortunately they lose him for the season Shed's now to an tear. injury. Um, they got stuff from Houston, and I mean Grover Stewart got a sack. Uh, when did I, I did not expect that. No, I did not expect that. Grover Stewart is quietly progressing. You know, he's a late-round pick, small school, still a pretty young player, and he got the nod over Marcus Hunt, and he did well with it. Um, In this game, no Darius Leonard. Both the safeties were out. Yeah, Clayton Gathers and Malik Hooker, which we knew Hooker was going to be out. I feared once they announced last week that Gathers had gone into the concussion protocol that he was not going to be ready for the game. Absolutely. So this upcoming bye week really couldn't have come at a better time. Coming off a huge win uh, allows, hopefully, Leonard should be back by the next game. Mack and T.Y. Hilton, who were not 100% last night, hopefully they can get healthier and you know, that's one more week closer to the return of Malik Hooker. Um, entering the game, the Chiefs were averaging 33.8 points per game. Kansas City was riding an NFL record streak of 125 games scoring at least 25 points, and they had scored at least 26 points in each of Patrick Mahomes' 23 career starts. The Colts held him to about half of that. That that was an, the most impressive defensive performance against Patrick Mahomes there's ever been. 
Well, and it, it all goes back to they, they were not able, Kansas City didn't have much running game to establish. So they were going to pass, they were going to pass the whole way. The Colts were able to get hits on Mahomes. Even when they weren't sacking him, they were getting pressure on him. Now, the guy's a Houdini, he's an escape artist. So uh, there was a third and 18 where they scored a touchdown that was uh, absurd. Um, and then there was a third and 28 in which they almost picked up a first down, where again, uh, they're kind of backed up. The Colts got pressure on them, he's able to get around it and get a get a pass off but there was a nice open field tackle from George Odom on that catch on the third and 28 that made it fourth and one and then Justin Houston got the big tackle there um but yeah no the the, the defensive performance here um I, I did not expect that. I mean, not only did they, they have all those guys uh, missing, uh, you know, hurt from, from injuries, then, you know, at one point in the game, Kenny Moore went out. Uh, they had Shaq, Shaq Taylor um, go out with an injury as well. He had to leave. Desir left. So you're like, who is going to be playing uh, in the secondary out there? But um, Kenny Moore and Pierre Desir kind of gutted out. So did Shaq Taylor, and, and they they were able to, to pull off a, a – Defensive gem, a KC masterpiece, if you will. <laughs> Absolutely. The, the defense, which was, you know, kind of struggling all season. They had not played up to the standard they had set from themselves the year before, but they played their best game against the best offense in the league, pretty much. Mahomes, we said, was sacked uh, four times. Um, Justin Houston had one of them. He had a huge game. Uh, four tackles, a sack, two tackles for a loss, including one on that fourth down rush attempt. After the game, he said, I didn't like the way things ended when I left here. To come back and get a win win means so much for me. Houston, the longtime chief, um, was cut in the offseason after they couldn't trade him. Colts scooped him up, and it's really paid off big so far. Yeah, and he had a couple of teams that he could have gone to, and he went ahead and went with the Colts, and I I think – I don't want to invoke the name of Andrew Luck too often, but I think he came to Indy with the the understanding that we've got a franchise quarterback here, we've got a defensive system that I can work well in. Then Luck retires, and you're kind of like, Ugh, what what have I done? But it's worked out well. Um, he played great last night. The defense played inspired football, and I just kind of wonder if that loss last year in Kansas City lingered with the Colts a little bit because most of the things that they did poorly – in that game, they did not do poorly in this game. They were able to run the ball, they were able to defend, and it just looked uh, like a completely different team. Yeah, it, it was almost complete opposite this time around, and you have to think Matt Eberflus, defensive coordinator, had been stewing on that one for quite some time. Uh, we had hit on some of the backups who really played well for the Colts, especially at safety. George Odom and Kari Willis played every single snap, 63 of 63. Odom you won't could argue he was the MVP of this defense because he's mainly a special teamer and he played terrific. He led the team with seven tackles. He, there was no point in the game where he seemed to be a liability. No, no, he got, uh, he got whistled for a pass interference call that I thought was sort of, eh, okay. Yeah. It, it was one that was an offset penalty The the chiefs had holding in the end zone. And then the Colts got whistled for the pass interference. I think Odom was the, the defender on that one. And they're like, Oh, he got there a split second early, which I suppose in yeah, today's game is, is enough to, to throw the flag. Uh, but my point is he was making an on ball play in that particular instance. And, uh, he didn't seem over overwhelmed. He was the one who punched the ball out on LaShawn McCoy uh, that led to what was a big turnover because that was going to be a big play for Kansas City, and they were going to kind of get themselves into the driver's seat if they scored there. Uh, the Colts were able to get the turnover, and it was Odom who punched the ball out. So yeah. uh, I, 
I can understand why they kept George Odom around. They must yeah. have been seeing something from him because he's kind of lingered on that roster for the last couple seasons. And uh, when pressed into duty, he played really, really well for them. Absolutely. You know, when they cut uh, Matthias Farley um, at the end of the preseason there, that kind of made me scratch my head a little bit because I thought Farley had played solid football when oh, asked absolutely. to. And- Farley was a great backup and a good special teams player. And uh, one of the, he's a Notre Damer, so I, I, I liked Farley for a long time. So um, I was kind of uh, I wasn't upset. I mean, we're talking about you know guys that are, that yeah, are backups, but I, I, going, I liked hmm, I liked Farley, yeah. and I thought he played solid for the Colts for the last few seasons. So they, they must they must like these these guys a little bit uh, more than they, they think that maybe there's yeah. more upside to those guys, and maybe they they they've got from Farley. Absolutely, and we maybe they're cheaper night. too since they're younger. That's always a consideration as well. Yeah, we saw last night why uh, Odom beat out Farley for that roster spot. Um, you talked about the fumble. The guy who recovered that fumble was Bobby Okariki. Uh, I thought he played really good football last night as well. He made several plays in coverage. Um, he had good defense on the shot to the running back in the end zone, which was incomplete. He was right there with them, hand right there with the uh, re- receiving running back's hands. Um, he had the interception that was called back. That was another questionable call. I did not see any clear and irrefutable evidence that that ball hit the ground. It probably did, but from the camera angles, I couldn't see that it hit the ground. And in those situations, the NFL says they're supposed to leave it as called on the field. Yeah, I, I could. I mean, I guess I could believe it because we we've seen weird things happen like this across the the board in the NFL. It's not just the Colts or it's not just the Chiefs that these things happen to. But yeah, I mean, I saw that replay. And I was like you, if they had called that incomplete on the field, I would probably said, oh, yeah. or, or, you know, that's okay, That that's right, you can't really overturn that. But the fact that they called it the interception, uh, that, that he had his hands under it, and it really, I, I mean... I thought it was. I thought it should have stood as as called on the field because there was nothing that I saw in any of the angles that they showed during the broadcast anyway that told me yes, definitively that ball hit the ground. Did I think that it did? Probably the probably. way it bounced, but probably is not the way those calls are supposed to be made. It's supposed to be based on you see exactly what you see. I did not see that on that call, and even the the rules expert, and it, it eludes me who was doing the, the broadcast last night, um, was kind of uh, scratching his head as to why they overturned that one. Yeah, another another questionable call was the pass interference on T.Y. Hilton, and the rules expert had your side on that one as well. It was a challenge. Uh, it was challenged by Frank Wright as a part of the new rule in the NFL stemming from the egregious pass interference that was not called um, in the Rams-Saints game last year. So the NFL uh, instills a new rule saying that teams can challenge pass interference, and I don't think any have been overturned so far this year. It just brings into question, uh, that's as clear and obvious as you can get that T.Y. did not pass interfere. The defender made contact with him. T.Y. has a right to that position on the field. He was just standing there. If they're not going to overturn that, it makes you doubt that they're over gonna overturn any of this Say, wh- why did you change the rule why did you make the challengeable i know it looks good from a from a fan perspective oh hey okay if we get screwed in one of these games then then our coach can challenge it well you know in that particular case like if ty had been blocking the guy two yards downfield okay um you know if ty had made contact with the guy okay but that's not really what happened there uh, and they are allowed to have contact one yard off the line of scrimmage I just I didn't I didn't understand like I'm glad that Frank Reich threw the flag but I also knew that 
they probably weren't going to overturn that, but they pro- they should have. It should not have been a penalty, and that that was another big play for the Colts that just got erased from the books, and now they're in a, another bad down and distance situation because they've called that penalty. Absolutely, and it makes you think. You know, w- when you step back and look big picture, it makes you think the best course of action for the NFL is probably just to make those reversible, but it has to come from upstairs from the league not a coach's challenge but the you know like they do in two minutes where they um the coaches can't challenge but they can take a look at it if they feel needed upstairs uh one more defender i wanted to highlight real quick i thought anthony walker played a nice game too five tackles one for a loss he's really stepped up in the absence of darius leonard um Colts fans have to be really optimistic about what this linebacker core will be able to do once leonard comes back um, Jim Mercy after the game said, I did not think it was possible to hold that team to 13 points. It was funny. He kind of butted in on Frank Wright's um, victory speech <laughs> after the game in his pink suit and everything. Uh, that's just Ursay. It's just Ursay being Ursay. <laughs> that's right. Um, the Colts were banged up. Uh, I got to mention that the Chiefs were pretty much banked up. Yeah, they, they had some injuries too. You know, Tyreek Hill out. Sammy Watkins played just two snaps and then the trainers decided he couldn't go with that bothered shoulder. Um, so they were down their top two receivers. Patrick Mahomes, we haven't even mentioned his ankle injury. Right. That had a huge impact on the game. The first half we saw that you described it as Houdini. He gets away from the sack, kind of turns back in both directions, launches it across the middle of the field, across his body, which you're not supposed to be able to do. Say the NFL uh, people will tell you not to do that. <laughs> Unless your name is Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> uh, and he slings the touchdown on third and long. But then after that, you know, he got hit another time. He came up gimpy. And then the second half, when his offensive lineman was kind of pushed back onto his ankle, that's when it looked to be even worse. And his mobility, you could tell, uh, was just not there anymore. And he was sacked four times because he was not able to elude the pressure that he was able to get away from really throughout the whole season. Yeah, there, there were a couple of uh, sacks in that second half where it was almost like, it was a foregone conclusion. He saw the pressure coming at him, and he just kind of went down because he couldn't. He didn't have the escapability that he's used to. And in that first time that he sort of, and I guess he injured his ankle originally in week one, I believe he'd been dealing with. It. And so it's it's been something that's been on the injury report, but it didn't really seem to affect him too much. But then they kind of re-injured it there. Mm-hmm. He sort of walked that one off a little bit and had a little bit of mobility. It was limited a little bit. Like you said, when when the, the lineman hit the foot the second time, he was really having a hard time getting around, and that escapability pretty much all disappeared, except for a couple of plays here and there. Yeah, you you have to imagine a healthy Patrick Mahomes is able to elude Grover Stewart. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, something that helped the Colts' offense, um, both the Chiefs' defensive tackles, Chris Jones, who... Is a monster. Is, is a beast. Yeah. For yep. casual fans who don't know, Chris Jones is one of the better defensive linemen in the NFL. Um, their other defensive tackle, Xavier Williams, both left during the game with injuries. Um, that certainly helped the Colts run the ball as effectively up as they did, especially up the middle. And that offensive line, though, they dominated from really the beginning to the end. Marlon Mack, after the game, said on the holes, the offensive line was able to create, quote, it looked pretty big to me, man. As a running back, that's what you want to see. They looked pretty huge. All I had to do was put my head down and keep moving forward. And for a lot of the game, that is all he really had to do. I remember on that, 
was either third and one or fourth and one in the fourth quarter, but he just kind of like put his hand on the back of the old lineman and kept walking with them, and they, they got it. Yeah, he's got the most amazing ability uh, that we've seen for a Colts running back in some time to find something out of nothing, to kind of have the patience, wait for the crease to come, and then find a way to get through it. Because there there are a couple of times where you're like, there's there's nothing there, and then all of a sudden he's five yards downfield. Yeah, he kind of does that. The announcers last night, Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell. Uh, let's let's slow down a little bit on that. Le'Veon Bell is a special talent, but Marlon Mack has definitely made improvements each year he's been in the league, and he looks like a, looked like a complete running back last night. 132 yards on a career high, 29 carries, add another three catches for 16 yards. Um, something we hadn't seen a lot from Mack is a passing game. Um, currently, Marlon Mack is fourth in the NFL in rushing yards with 470. He's second in rushing attempts with 101. It's just over 20 per game. And we had kind of talked last week about how each week Marlon Mack's carries were trending down. The Colts got back to the running game this week. They, and it they did really what paid they needed off. to do, you know, which, as we talked about last week, they've got to get. You've got this dominating offensive line, or an offensive line that has the ability to dominate. You've got to give them, you've got to give your running back the football in order to maximize what your talents are. And they did that this week. 29 carries for him. Uh, they had, I forget what the number of carries was for the whole game, 45 rushing attempts for the Colts uh, because Hines also had some. Wilkins had a few carries as well, carried the ball fairly effectively. Uh, Brissett had a few carries. And you know, they, they just did a much better job of knowing what their identity was and embracing their identity, which I think they really got away from that last week against Oakland. They really did. The Oakland game, it's uncharacteristic. I mean, good teams sometimes have bad weeks. We saw the Chargers lose to the Broncos. It happens. You can't have your best game every week. Thankfully, the Colts played their best game uh, last night. Jacoby Brissett, did just enough. He had the one-yard touchdown run after the Jordan Wilkins touchdown was called back. 18 of 29 for 151. No throwing touchdowns, and he did throw the interception. That was the one time you, or one of the few times, I should say, that you really saw Brissett try and push the ball down the field. I think it was Eric Ebron he was trying to hit. Yep, trying to hit him down the left side. Completely did not see Tyran Matthew right there, who jumped on it. And I mean, it didn't even have to be a player as good as Matthew. I, I think just about any safety in the league could have picked that off. Well, because right he, he, I mean, if, if I recall from the replay, he looked at Ebron the whole time that he was there. There was never any uh, attempt to try to move a player off of him. I don't think he ever saw Matthew in, 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 in coverage, and it was one of the world's easiest interceptions. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, had that player not been there, Ebron would have been open. Just one slight problem there was a defensive was player a right there. there. Yeah. yeah, you can't throw that ball. Yeah, we had talked about how with Andrew Luck, y- you could count on a few every year of those real just bonehead interceptions. And last week we talked about how Brissett really hadn't had that yet. He made that one. Say that's two weeks in a row that we've seen kind of a stare down the receiver yeah. and not see not see the defense as it's out there in front of you. Um, you know, and, and thankfully this one didn't hurt him as much as last week's hurt them. Yeah. Yeah, you know, last last week's just absolutely popped the balloon of, of any type of a comeback. Uh, they were able to recover this week. Of course their their defense played 
so much better this week than did last week uh, because, you know, last week they let the Raiders run right, right over them and they couldn't really adjust their defense. And then in the passing game, they were able to do the same thing the Raiders were. Uh, KC was not able to do that. They were able to get that pass rush. And when they, when they did run, uh, it went nowhere this week. And you know what? The, the Raiders, I know they're starting, the Bears' starting quarterback is out. Not sure how big of a downgrade it is to um, Trubisky. Uh, from Trubisky to Chase, Chase Daniels. Daniels. Yeah. Yep. Not sure how big of a downgrade that is in all honesty. But the Raiders did beat the Bears. They were able to run on that Bears defense. So maybe you were underestimating the Raiders a little bit too, who are now three and two. Yeah, maybe maybe it's a case where the Raiders just had a couple of uh, bad weeks to start things off and things are starting to click. Yeah. Uh, and I know that with the Colts defense last year, uh, early on in the season, it really wasn't a very pretty thing. I, I especially remember the Jets game last year where it was just awful. But about midway through the season, things started to click for that unit. And you you would hope that that's the case here, except they had so many players out there that aren't normally out there in the defense. Um, but hopefully things will, will click. And I think it's good. You mentioned Okariki had a, a pretty nice game. And last week it seemed like from time to time he was out of position. It opened up running lanes or he got, you know, couldn't get off his block or whatever. This week, Okariki played pretty good. And I, I think that that will pay dividends for them for him to have. It stinks that Darius Leonard's injured. Nobody wants to have your linebacker, your star linebacker, out and have a concussion. But the good thing about it is, is it gives Okariki, who's a rookie, some good playing experience. And from week to week, we saw a lot of improvement from last week to this week. So I think that'll pay dividends for the Colts down the road. Absolutely. And to go. You know, for Leonard to be out and the Colts to go two and one in that span is pretty good. It gives experience to the younger players. I think this experience is great for Kari Willis as well because I think the Colts pretty much have to accept by now that both their starting safeties are injury prone. They're almost always going to be dinged one way or another. Even if it's not a, hey, he's out for the season, it's going to be, well, he's not quite up to 100% this week. And I mean, I know a lot of players in the NFL are like that, especially after the season starts. But, you know, it's Malik Hooker and Clayton Gathers are just guys who have not shown us yet that they can play a full season of NFL football. Absolutely. So it's got to be very assuring to have our backup safeties go out there and play that well. Another player who played well was Adam Vinatieri. He was 4 for 4. Yes, his longest attempt was only 32 yards, but no misses. Colts fans, you know, I was watching that game. I was still holding my breath a little bit because it would, you know, you talked about, oh, you were just waiting for something to go wrong and for Kansas City to steal it at the end. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was just like, oh, please don't miss that field goal. That would have put us, you know, would have gave us the lead the Colts needed. So it was nice to see Adam Vinatieri um, perfect again on the day and, each week that he uh, is successful with his kicks, the Colts have to feel more and more comfortable with him back there. Well, and, and I mean, I, I get that the distance wasn't – they were not super challenging kicks. However, earlier in the season, I mean, he missed like a 26-yarder. Yeah. You know, uh, point after. Po- point after he's, he's missing. And uh, the thing about it is, is for me, these kicks, it, it wasn't just the fact that he made them. Uh, these were all like right certain down. kicks. Yeah, just, easily. Just easy, easy kicks for him. And – um, some of the easy, the easier kicks this year uh, were not easy kicks for him. Now the easy kicks are easy, so I think thankfully we can stop talking about Adam Vinatieri as far as that being a consistent problem for the Colts. That's a good point. It, it was never really the strength or the distance that was causing him a problem. It was just focus, or I don't know what it was, but he's got to be. Uh, he's got to have his confidence back after the last couple of weeks. 
Um, what we're going to do here is we're both going to pick our offensive and defensive player of the game. Uh, I'll let you start with offensive, and then I'll uh, I'll chime in after you. Okay. Uh, you want me to just do offensive first, and then you'll do your offense, then we'll do defense? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to go. I know the easy one to pick would be, and I'll let you give it, um, would be to go Marlon Mack because uh, he had a tremendous game for the Colts. But I'm going to go for the left side of the offensive line, uh, the Quentin Nelson, the Anthony Costanzo, the Ryan Kellys of the world. Yeah, I, my pick was going to be uh, Quentin Nelson. And really the offensive line won that game. Uh, Jordan Wilkins was running the ball effectively too. Mack just had room to run. And like he said after the game, when the holes are that big, it, it makes it kind of easy for a running back. Uh, moving to the defensive side, I'll start this time. I got to go with Justin Houston. I mean, he was getting consistent pressure. He had the sack. He had the huge stop on fourth and one at the end of the game. Um, For him to come back into Arrowhead after having so much success for so long there and play so well, uh, you saw it when he he made the big play and turned to the Chiefs sideline, just kind of saying, like, you see what you're missing? You still How do you like me now, you know? Exactly. So I got to go with Houston on this one. Well, and, and I would have gone, I mean, that would have been my first pick, probably would have been uh, Justin Houston. Uh, but I'm going to go, not really outside the box, but George Odom, yeah. I think, just because of what we saw from him. Uh, he did get beat on on the one touchdown pass. Uh, he kind of lost uh, a little bit, I think, of space of where the receiver was and stuff. But, uh, I mean, the punch out, uh, and it just seemed like he was there, and the 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 I know that Justin Houston made the big tackle on fourth and one, but fourth and one would not have been there if, on of course, you don't want to give up 27 yards on third and 28 anyway. Yeah. But George Odom made one heck of a tackle at the end of that game to make sure that that third and, 20, third and 28 didn't turn into a first down. That's what got them into fourth and one. He made a nice open field tackle. And uh, it just kind of, he was everywhere. I, I felt like, you know, we saw Joyner last week for the Raiders and how mm-hmm. it seemed like that guy was almost in every little play that, that like went well for Oakland last week. To me, it felt like George Odom was that way. Um, and I, I also, Car- Kari Wills was in a lot too. But I, I guess uh, from a number standpoint, from what you see from Odom, the, the punch and things, I just, I thought it was really a solid game for him. And even just from what was expected out of him, you know, so many times you see those third stringers come in and he was able to play on the offensive. He was aggressive the whole time. You don't want to see those players come in and be a little timid and trying just not to mess up. He was aggressive. He was trying to make plays and he had a big impact for that Colts defense. Um, Another player who had a big impact and his impact is certainly going to be missed for the rest of the season 2018 second-round pick Kamoko Ture, defensive end, out for the season with a broken ankle. It was sustained when he picked up that half-sack on Mahomes. Um, he had to be carted off the field. You really just got to be feel awful for a player who was – I mean, he, he was looking tremendous. He was really coming on in his second year. I, I, If he had stayed healthy, I would not have been shocked if he ended up with double-digit sacks. It felt to me like things were starting to click for Ture. And even in, in situations where maybe they weren't getting a, a sack on Mahomes, he was almost getting home, like a half a step away from getting a sack. Yeah. He was in the backfield a lot. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a big loss because the Colts, they've had trouble with that pass rush. And it felt like they finally they got it where they wanted it uh, this week. And then they're going to lose kind of one of their main guys on that. Yeah, I guess if you can take any solace out of it... Uh, uh, 
I would take a broken ankle over like a torn ACL, or yeah. Achilles, yeah. something like that. You know, once the bone heals, he should he he shouldn't have any long term effects as far as you know maybe losing a step of speed, something like that. But uh, for the rest of the season, that's certainly going to hurt the Colts in their pass rush. Um, linebacker Zaire Franklin suffered a hamstring injury as well. We'll have to check back on that. Um, certainly not as serious as Torrey's injury. Before we wrap things up here, let's look around the AFC South. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, I, we were talking about the the turnovers uh, that got overturned. Um, the first one was the interception we talked about a few minutes ago. What did you think of the one with with Kelsey, the the one that they called incomplete? Because he had I, a couple I, of those that were really close yeah. like that, and I felt like it was the right call, but it just it yeah. stunk that the Colts defense had had a little bit of trouble getting plays impact plays they got a couple impact plays and then they both got they both got overturned uh well it's weird because a a couple of years ago that wouldn't have that would have been like no question incomplete like uh, they the nfl for a little while made completions really hard like the guys had to run pretty much like 10 yards with the ball (laughs) yeah like they couldn't if they went to the ground and lost it at all it was incomplete um, they were close, but I thought they made the right call on both of those. They were incomplete. And I know he finished with four catches for 70, which is a pretty good stat line for a tight end. But I thought Kelsey kind of had a rough game. He had a few, I mean, even more than the two that were close to being fumbles. He had several that were like close to his hands, on his hands, couldn't quite pull in. You felt like Kelsey left a lot of meat on the bone last night. I, I really do, and uh, they kind of went to him early, and then he just kind of faded away. And he had success early. Yeah. Now he had like the drop and, and the incompletion stuff, uh, but then he just kind of faded away later in the game. So it was interesting. Anyway, I, I didn't mean to derail your AFC South. That, that was just the other review that took a turn away, oh, turnover no, away from the Colts. We got all day. Um, let's see. Uh, back to that AFC South, the Texans picked up a win as well over Atlanta, who, you know, we saw Jay Gruden get fired with Washington. I think uh, Atlanta's coach, oh, what's his name? It's escaping my, ne- my mind right now. He's got to be on the hot seat as well. Um, with another loss, I believe Atlanta is now 1-4 and four on the season. Um, but the Texans' offense especially their passing game, really looked like they got it going again um, after a real subpar performance against a good Panthers defense the previous week. But Houston beat Atlanta 53-32. to Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn, that's who, it. Yeah, was he was driving me nuts. I, I watched the game a couple weeks ago, and they kept saying Dan Quinn. Dan, yeah, yeah, so that's, that's yeah Dan Quinn's got to be on the hot seat because, I mean, he was a defensive coordinator for the Seahawks, and he's been with the Falcons for several years now, and that defense has not gotten any better. Well, and, and I mean, I think probably it's not too much of a stretch to say, given the amount of talent on that roster, that or at least perceived talent on that roster, that uh, the Falcons are one of the most disappointing teams in the league. A lot of people had them going playoffs this year and, and yeah i mean and they last just, year too it's been mul- since the super bowl really right. they've been disappointment yeah absolutely um watson uh something that really stood out to me in this game sacked zero times kind of goes to show how bad that falcons defense was because everyone has been able to get pressure on watson this season uh he goes for over 400 yards four touchdowns uh will fuller finally showed up he hadn't done much this season Huge help to me and my fantasy team. I started him this <laughs> you, week. You got Will Fuller? Uh, yep, yep. I, I almost dropped him. I saw uh, Kenny Stills was going to be out. So I was like, all right, I'll put Will Fuller in and paid off huge. 
Um, Matt Ryan did have an- another good game against that Texans defense, which is vulnerable. Um, this is not the same Texas def- Texans defense we've seen in the past. Um, so Texans and Colts both 3-2, and two, and really I think in most people's mind the AFC South is between those two teams right now. Yeah, I, I would say so. I, we talked about it on Thursday's podcast that the AFC South is medi- mediocrity personified because everybody was two and two. Now through week five, we've started to see maybe a couple of teams kind of uh, move up a little bit and a couple of the other teams move down. Yeah, yeah, especially, you know, after the Raiders' loss, you and I included, a lot of people were like, maybe we don't quite know what this Colts team is yet. And then the big Chiefs win got to have a lot of people feeling a lot better about the Colts moving forward. Um, going through the rest of the AFC South here, Titans lost. They're now 2-3. and three. The Bills really shut them down. It was a 14-7 to seven game in Tennessee. Buffalo's defense has got to be considered one of the league's best. Um, they're just terrific. They held the Patriots to under 20 points the week before. Um, Marcus Mariota was unimpressive yet again, 13-22. of 22. For a buck eighty-three, no touchdowns, no interceptions, sacked five times. Um, the Jaguars made things interesting in Carolina. They are two and three as well, though, after losing thirty-four to twenty-seven. Christian McCaffrey, if if Mahomes doesn't win MVP this year, McCaffrey's got to be up there because um, he is just on pace to. I mean, he might threaten some of Ladainley and Tomlinson's records this year. Um, the Jags' defense is not what it used to be. Uh, Jalen Ramsey did not play in that game. He's still out with the quote-unquote back issue. Um, his request for a trade remains intact. <laughs> it's in transition. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Under consideration. <laughs> uh, Gardner Minshew is a baller. That we know. He is. He went 26 for 44, 372 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, DJ Chark is a baller as well. He's having a breakout season. He was a 2018 second-round pick from LSU. He is currently fifth in receiving yards with 485 and second in receiving touchdowns with five of them. So while the Jaguars, I'm not sure they're certainly a threat to the Colts or the division this year, if, if they finally find a quarterback, they might be a contender for the future. If anything, the Jaguars are in a position where, I mean, I know they've been decent the last few years. They were good last year. But at least, you know, a few years ago, you could always just kind of laugh off the Jacksonville Jaguars. They could never settle in on a quarterback. Uh, Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles, you know. And you could just always know that, yeah, they might win a game here and there, but they're not going to surprise anybody. And I think this team is is a little bit different. I I think – and we'll we'll see. I mean, maybe everybody gets film on Gardner Minshew, and and that all changes. But uh, he seems to be a pretty solid player for them, and at least gives them a chance to win every week. And I, I kind of like. I mean, they're not they're not unbearable to watch. No, no, that of he's kind of got that. You know, we talked about Patrick Mahomes' ability to buy some time, scramble around, throw. It might not be how they drew it up. But he makes it work. Backyard football. Yeah, and, got a little bit of swagger to him, and, and you like that. Exactly. Minshew has that same kind of backyard football. He'll find a way to get points on the board. And so the Jaguars are an interesting team. Uh, probably not a contender, but they're going to be f- fun to watch this year. 
Um, let's see. Any final thoughts? Uh, the Colts heading into a bye week. We'll still have the podcast on Thursday, just kind of breaking down the rest of their schedule. Um, taking a look at the rest of the AFC South, who they play this week, and really the rest of the AFC, how the Colts stack up compared to the rest of their league. Um, any last thoughts before we wrap things up here? Well, I, I just I don't want to toot my own horn, uh, but I did pick the Colts this week. I am, uh, but I was way off on the score. I, I had predicted a shootout that the Colts were somehow going to stay with the Chiefs, which was kind of a silly decision. I probably should have. Uh, I would have looked a lot smarter if I said it was going to be a defensive struggle. Um, but I, I just I was very impressed with the effort there. It's a tough place to win, as you mentioned. That's a heck of a good football team, and I know that. They did have a few injuries of their own, but the Colts had their own injuries, and uh, the Colts were able to, to flourish from it, whereas Kansas City really kind of struggled with it. Um, I mean, just, you know, uh, they went out and, and they, they ran the ball, and that's what they wanted they to do. ran the damn ran ball. Ran the damn ball. And uh, can they do that every week? Well, we know that they can't because we saw what happened against Oakland last week, but some of that may have also been a little bit of a panic of, uh, we got to get back into this ball game, so now we're going to have to throw. Um so they've just got to know who they are, and that is if you're going to play these games and you're going to win them 20-17 to 17 or 19-13, to 13, that's kind of what this team is. Don't turn the ball over, control the clock, um, and you can be successful in this league if you do that. If they get away from those things, then that's when they struggle. Uh, I, I, they, they didn't take a ton of shots downfield, uh, but they did do a couple. One of them got intercepted. Uh, they did get a, another big pass interference penalty to Deion Kane. Deion Kane is terrific at drawing long <laughs> pass interference penalties. That is his greatest skill so far this season. <laughs> and I, I'd still like to see more from them in the passing game. Uh, they did a stat last night. And I don't remember the exact numbers, but there's a if Brissett's passing under ten yards, high completion percentage. Uh, those mid range passes. Not as high, and then it's just like astronomically bad anytime he tries to throw the ball over 15 yards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, longest completion was 18 yards. That was to Naheem Hines. And that, that was a catch and run. Yeah, that was a catch and run. T.Y. didn't have much of an impact in this game, but he kind of felt like his presence was valuable just because Kansas City had to worry about yeah, him. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, they still had T.Y. Hilton doubled uh, for much of the night out there uh, because they, they knew that T.Y. can pop off at any time. Yeah, T.Y. We, is still T.Y. T.Y. is still T.Y. He's an elite receiver, and, uh, you know, just if you have to plan to play the Colts, you have to have a plan for T.Y. Hilton. All right. Well, that'll wrap things up here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. I am Joe Hopkins. With me every Monday is Matt Adams. Um, we'll hopefully have you listening again on Thursday. You can follow the Colts Blue Zone podcast on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. Easy enough. Um, So thanks for listening and have a great week. Thanks, guys. 